The Daily Standard podcast is brought to you today by Calm. This seems incredibly timely, but I don't know when it hasn't been over the last uh, several months. Do you ever feel stressed and anxious? And are you looking for some coping tools? Have you ever meditated? And if not, why do you think meditation might benefit you? Do you have trouble sleeping? That's why we're excited to partner with Calm, the number one app for sleep, meditation, and relaxation. It was even named Apple's 2017 App of the Year. Calm gives you the tools you need to live a happier, healthier, and more mindful life. Just five minutes of Calm can change your whole day. If you head to calm.com slash standard, you'll get 25% off a Calm premium subscription, which includes hundreds of hours of premium programming, including guided meditations on issues like anxiety, stress, focus, and relationships, including a brand new meditation each day called The Daily Calm. They also have, and this is interesting, sleep stories. They're like bedtime stories for grown-ups and so much more. You know, I tweeted out yesterday, as I, as I mentioned, that we are in hell. I, I should have done this before I went to bed last night. So for a limited time, the Daily Standard listeners can get 25% off a Calm premium subscription at calm.com standard. That includes unlimited access to all of Calm's amazing content. And you can get started today at calm.com standard. That's calm.com standard. Standard. Welcome to the Daily Standard Podcast. I'm Charlie Sykes. We are doing something very unusual. Texas, in front of a live audience with a live in-person guest, author, pundit. How else we do? Ag- agitator, troublemaker. You know, one-time Republican consultant, Rick Wilson. Thanks for joining me. I appreciate Thanks, it. Thanks, every Charlie. And I want to thank the Texas like crazy. It, it, it is a remarkable event. All right. Well, it is it is Thursday, and this is the this is it feels like an historical singularity with the, with the president going to be meeting with Rod Rosenstein later, and of course we have all been sitting around uh, listening to the testimony in front of the Senate Judiciary Committee. We might as well just start off with that. You know, at the moment, Dr. Ford. We've heard some of the questioning from from Dr. Ford. We will be hearing later in the day from Judge Kavanaugh. But but Rick Wilson, give me your your quick hot take on what we heard this morning um, and what the country heard uh, on the, in that televised testimony. No matter how you GOP. Okay, what why? You, what you had was a woman who seemed credible, sympathetic, and terrified. The raw emotion coming out of that screen is gonna be what gets put on television tonight that people are gonna watch on the cable systems and watch on the news tonight. And, and Brett needs to come in there. If you're a Kavanaugh supporter, you better today. And I can tell you as a guy who sat through a couple hundred focus groups in my life, um, this, is, this, this is not, the, the idea that they were gonna bring her out there and use this, this prosecutor to sort of neutralize the GOP's uh, culpability on, this, on, this, on the way she's being framed is a really tough spot to be in. And like I said, it doesn't matter how you feel about Kavanaugh, I'm judging this as a TV guy, and I'm watching this as a TV guy, and I'm thinking all of the back and forth over the last two weeks has always has felt like it was all the pregame, that, that, that Americans were gonna tune in today, and they were gonna watch these two individuals, and then they would make up their minds, and it would change everything. So in the last uh, 48 hours or so, you've seen a lot of pushback among conservatives and Republicans, sure. including sure. nevergations that came forward, and you really got kind of a sense that uh, the Republicans were getting their back up, that the base was feeling that there were these, these uh, unsubstantiated smears directed at Judge Kavanaugh. So right now the Republicans, at least as we speak now, are really caught between a rock and a hard place because their base 
are right, then we're going to start to see a rather substantial shift in public opinion. The problem with the base right now is there's only one person that really matters in this equation, and that person is watching television right now. And that person is obsessive about how things look and feel on television. To, let's say, let me make a list. Wives, <laughs> family members, business partners, political allies. Uh, his, his concept of loyalty is always loose, and it's always about how does he look. And if he perceives that she's making him look bad, look on this guy, that Kavanaugh is not strong and decisive. Hard for Kavanaugh, sucking wind. It's, it's, it's a non... It's a non-zero scenario. I think there's a high likelihood, in fact, that, that if Kavanaugh doesn't come out, I mean, set aside Kavanaugh's impeccable legal mm -hmm. background as a conservative. Set all, set all that aside for a second. Said the three, he's not a stellar provision in bullshit. <laughs> and so the television and bullshit department, Donald Trump excels in those, and he wants other people to excel in those. And if Kavanaugh's performance today isn't up to par, it won't matter whatever, what all these other meta concerns of the party are because Trump will pull the plug on him. But of course, Trump, and we're going to get to his press conference in just a moment, um, he went out of his way yesterday to personally associate himself with Kavanaugh, said, hey, listen, I know what it's like because said, I've had four or five women come forward. Actually, Doesn't he cross that line of starting to validate women, which is something that Trump has been pretty adamant about, right? I mean, he has never expressed, has he, is, to date, has he ever expressed any genuine sympathy or empathy toward women in the Me Too era? And that, that program no. has no, right. he, he has no problem in his brain. And, and part, of the, part of the reason that yesterday's press conference was so jarring was it was Donald Trump doing the Donald Trump act of, of these lying women, these hussies who came out and da da da. The same lying women hussies you had your attorney paying hundreds of thousands of dollars to over the years. But unfortunately, for, for America, we've got a guy in, in, the, in the Oval Office who, who is not unfamiliar with predation um, and not unfamiliar with, with harassment. And this wasn't, this wasn't a, a, a secret in New York City before Donald Trump you know, became president. This is a guy who, who will run up and mount... No, he is the creature of the Trump presidency. And so you, that's why you have this, this alignment of the planets, the, the sure. culture wars, the Trump wars on steroids. Well, let's go back to the, the hearing today, because mm -hmm. um, you know, one of the problems, of course, is that so far Kavanaugh has to prove a nation of a lot of the different a lot of the different allegations made against him. Uh, the, the Senate Republicans have set up a one-day hearing. They are not subpoenaing Mark Judge, who is uh, allegedly, you know, a... Material witness. A material witness, an, an eyewitness, a participant in all of this. They are uh, obviously adamantly not going to have the FBI investigate this. So at the end of the day, how will the senators make up their mind? Now, you know, you and I watched the... You know, Dr. Ford, I think a lot of a lot of viewers regarded that as gut-wrenching, but does it change the factual situation beforehand? Essentially, you had people like Lindley saying they're going to go through the motions, but they've already scheduled a vote for Friday morning. So at the end of the day, does anything change? No. Part of this is why, is in terms of, of the chemistry inside the Republican caucus, except for a couple of the outliers. The reason is, this is... This hearing is in some ways an artifact of the knowledge that we're about to have. A, they increasingly real. I mean, six weeks ago, they were still spinning, oh, we're going to pick up West Virginia and North mm -hmm. Dakota and Missouri. It's going to be easy. Well, it's not that the Trump show has run much of its political course. 
They recognize that the downsides are, are much greater than the upsides for them in the, in the 2018 and probably the 2020 cycle when we have all of our Republican senators up. Um, and they recognize that the Me Too movement, even if there are elements of it that have been weaponized and politicized, even if that's the case, let's just secede that for a moment, that it still penetrated the cult characteristic of the GOP is a filthy pussy grabber. And a guy who is a who is a because you can do that when you're a celebrity. Well, you, apparently you yeah. can. So I'm told his record with women, and it's and it's something that Republicans are going to have to pay for, if they if they find themselves in this trap where it looks like that they're that they're facilitating this on his behalf, and it looks like, to me at least, the nervousness that's that's emerging, and not just with Collins mm -hmm. and Murkowski. There are a couple of others who Jeff, are starting Jeff Flake. and Jeff Flake and Corker. And a few, and, and a few mm. usual suspects. You know, Langford. Am I up in 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 twenty? And can I can I can I live with this? Because vote? they will have to live with this. They this will. is this is not one of those one and done in our era of right. you know disposable news cycles. We're going to be talking about this for thirty years, and it will be a live issue, obviously, in 2020, right. 2024. And, and, the, and the very worst case. And I'm not saying this is the case. The very 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 worst case, and some actual fact emerges. Yeah. And if if you're in that situation. Then we're in a whole new era of of chaotic and dis and disastrous and divisive politics in this country, because look, the Republicans played hardball on Merrick Garland. Okay, that's the rules. You play hardball. Okay, these are primacy as a as a driver for voter behavior in in hard partisans on both sides. Democrats are playing hardball on Kavanaugh. These are the new rules. We're going to play by these rules now for a long time. Nobody's, nobody's strong enough to back us away from the edges on either side of the, of the party equation. So these guys partly on that and partly on you know, legacy a little bit, mm -hmm. but we're, we're in trouble in, in terms of the image of the Republican Party with women. If the you made before, because um, when I asked about whether the evidence was going to change, you know, clearly you're probably not going to get new evidence. There's not going to be any breakthrough. There's not, going to be no that. definitive uh, corroboration one way or other. So. In the era of television, and I think you pointed this out when you talked about uh, the way Donald Trump is watching this and the way that, that this would play in a, in a focus group, it really does come down to the gut emotional appeal that, that Dr. Ford seeded. And in terms of if we, instead of which mm -hmm. so much of our politics is these days, that had to be a tremendous emotional impact on people. Now you said you think Donald Trump will make the decision. What, what kind of impact do you think it has on Lisa Murkowski and Susan Collins? And, oh, uh, and Jeff Flake, how do they, after what we saw this morning, how do they go and vote? Strong signal during the hearing today when she said, we need to subpoena Mark Judge. We need to hear from Mark Judge. That is a signal to the leadership, to both the, the Senator McConnell and to, to Chairman Grassley, that she's eyeballing the exits right now on this. And you only got, you've only got two votes in the margin. To her, then Murkowski, because Murkowski's pretty transactional, and we know this, you know, Mitch McConnell said, to, you know, essentially, you're going to get $10 million for the salmon fishery restoration project or some hoo-ha, and, and she'll go, mm, I can do that. I can, I can live right. with that. But um, I, I think that the, the tele people view these things. You know, there are two things that will move people in Washington. A lobbyist with a big check and a horrible day on your Facebook or Twitter page for a member. And a lot of them are having some pretty horrible days right now. What, what are you seeing on Twitter? What did you see? I mean, I, I saw over the last 24, 40, maybe more recent, uh, and I mentioned this before, a lot of concerned people go, wow, this is pretty compelling this morning. What, what, what were you hearing from people this morning? Well, let me tell you what should, what should frighten the GOP more than, more than what, the, what you're seeing on the public social media side. I've had 
message exchanges, texts, and DMs with four different Republican women in the last 24 hours that I've known for years, friends and associates and colleagues in various campaigns and projects, who, dear God, I've been assaulted, I've been, I've been treated this way, I've been raped, I've been whatever. And, and some of them, I, I, I had never known these stories before. And they're Let's just hypothesize, just arguendo, that Dr. Ford is making it all up, and it's all a George Soros scheme to destroy a good man. Yeah. Let's just hypothesize that for one second. I don't think that's the case, but let's just hypothesize that. Even if that's the case, there are still millions and millions and millions and millions of Republican and Democratic and independent women in this country who've been sexually assaulted and didn't say anything for a million different reasons. It is a problem we have got to deal with in this country, and, and, and if people underestimate the emotional power of that set of experiences... One of the dangers of the moment, that to, to see this as somehow a proxy for all of that as sure. opposed to oh, a specific factual situation, because no there's, there's no collective guilt here. Either Brett Kavanaugh committed this act or he did not. And if he did not, then, then, then we're seeing a rather dramatic injustice uh, going, going forward. Look, if, I think today, when you saw her take the stage, something happened to this woman. Mm. There's, there's and, and, the, and the, again, take, the, take all the Republican, what we recognize in this country almost instinctively in our era. This is now a reality show. And in reality shows, you always have three things. You have a hero, you have a villain, and you have a damsel in distress, okay? And right now, she's in the damsel in distress role. She's in, she's in that role. And, and it remains to be seen if Kavanaugh can recast his... Well, that, it is. That's what I mean, that's it has become. Yeah. That's what it has become. And the politics of it, take the, take the, take the desire to, contain, to control the Supreme Court, but it has now become something that is much more raw and much more emotional and, and the fact that she was a, 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 a compelling performance, no matter where you are in the equation. I'm going to have my Republican friends go, ah, rah, rah, rah. I'm just judging this as a guy who watches, watches how people behave in focus groups, watches how they behave in, in, on television, and watches how television mediates our policy. It was a reality TV show, and that while you and I were watching maybe CNN or MSNBC, we had 10 million people watching him on, on The Apprentice. Okay, this may not matter by the days. Is Michael Avenatti helping or hurting from the Democratic point of view right now? I say this because I saw one analysis saying that if you were the White House, the best thing that could happen would be that you would have Michael Avenatti, who's obviously, we, we know what his agenda is and what his personality is, come forward with, uh, with an allegation that also is, is not supported and, and, you know, for which there are... Well, you asked me first if it was for the Democrats, a plus or a negative. Democrats are desperate for competent fighters and... A lot of the times that we've learned with this president, a loose definition of the truth is good enough for his base. Real, you know that four thousand mile wall that's eight hundred feet high. Just Democrat, they all think it. They all think it's real. Candidates in twenty twenty, and they're thinking, I want my ideological dream date. I want this and this and this. No, what they need is people who are great on television. They need great fighters on television where everyone watches the campaign. So, do so they Avenatti, want their Donald Trump. Avenatti is right. Avenatti yeah. is is in many ways. The, the mirror image of the Trump so badly. And the fact that Trump has taken six months to finally tweet about him yesterday, it tells you that, and, and I think Trump made a huge mistake doing that. He just elevated Avenatti even further. So, you know, he's a guy who, who also lacks that, that moment of, I'm not gonna go, I'm not gonna set it on fire that, that much, but he's like, no, no, the objective here is to set the thing on fire. 
So I, I, I think he's probably a marginal net plus for them. And if the, if the witness he's brought forward has any credibility or, or, or if they establish any but from her, um, these are giant, these are like the giant Japanese monsters fighting each other, and everyone else is sort of yeah. scuttling around their feet. So this is what America now deserves, right? Uh, 2020, Donald Trump versus Michael Avenatti. That's the, who, who is going to be more, more shameless? <laughs> right. <laughs> is this in the category of how selling are we, a type thing? Uh, pretty and, um, much, yeah. Okay, so, list. Um, everything Trump touches dies. <laughs> Would that apply to Brett Kavanaugh, because Brett Kavanaugh was, had a sterling legal reputation. I think he would have likely been appointed to the high court had there been a President Rubio, a President Cruz, sure. a President Bush, and yet here we are right now. So is he an example of what you're talking about? We're gonna find out in a couple <laughs> hours. Um, I think he probably is, just because the reputational damage that accrues when you get into the, people were already concerned. They're like, well, Trump picked him because he has an expansive view of executive power and executive pardon power. And already that was a, sort of a shadow over his legal reputation even before this. So I, I think my rule has been proven a, a good number of, McConnell's trying to, and, and I'm sure he jolts him back to life just long enough to get over the finish line. Okay, well, I, I want, we're gonna do a lightning round a little bit later where I'm gonna throw out you know, people who are you know, in American politics right now because of course one of the questions that I've tried to wrestle with is you know, what was behind this invasion of the body snatchers phenomenon that we saw with one reasonable, rational patients on fire and their legacies on fire. And I wanna, I wanna do that. We're gonna do it like name by name by name. So it will be a, a lightning round. I've already warned Rick about all this. So before we, we, we move on to the, I, the, the press conference yesterday, which seems like now you know, set six news cycles ago, he had you know, 83 minutes of the president riffing the, 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 till I got in the car with you after we got off the airplane. Right. And you said, did you just watch that bleep show? So what, what, what was your reaction as you were watching that in real time? My reaction was that somewhere in the president's green room, there was a case of four loco and a mound of cocaine big enough to kill a rhino. His, he was, I mean, the guy was absolutely, eyes were rolling. He was, he was whipping out questions like, like nobody's business, and he kept. In other words, it. Wednesday. Right. Well, pretty you know much. I mean? <laughs> but but he he comes out there and he is completely manic, and he is completely. Uh, I mean, this is he wanted to come out there and and basically make Kavanaugh about him. He desperately wanted to say, well, these women, these lying whores, they were after me too. Therefore, and not a great look already. And seven percent of women love me. Okay. okay. Mm. Mostly the ones who get a check, but that's another story. Um, but it, it was it was Trump unleashed, and it was the moment. A friend of mine is a former federal prosecutor. Texted me. He said, "Robert Mueller is laughing." I mean, the because this is why this let him sit down with Robert Mueller, because he will go in there and he will just decide he can bullshit Robert Mueller. It, it it's it's like it's like giving a a, a monkey a, a a hammer and saying, "Hey, fix this Ferrari engine." It's not gonna work. Some it, things it, might fly around the room, but it's not gonna work. Give him a favorable rating. Mm -hmm. Republicans in Congress have either you know, lined up to support him or have decided that they're gonna look the other way. There are, you know, you and I could run through the list oh, sure. of, of, of Trump critics and we'd be done in about five seconds. Oh, yeah. So, you know, this clown show, we look at the, the violation of the norms you know, the fact that he's, you know, a narcissist, a serial liar, 
you know, a, a, a chronic, you know, f you know, fraudster, a guy with the emotional vocabulary of a, of a nine-year-old, which is unfair to nine-year-olds. And, 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 and then including elected, we look back at the Republicans. Oh, and we've talked about this before. There's a typology of Republicans in the House and the Senate. There are about 40 or 50, and maybe 40 in the House, maybe 10 in the Senate, who are true believer Trumpers, okay? All the Kool-Aid, red MAGA hat for Zeta's Hall. They believe in Trumpism, nationalist pop. There's a much larger number in the House who are absolutely terrified. They just live in fear all the time. And, and I call it FOMT, fear of mean tweets. And FOMT derives drives so much behavior because they, they recognize the minute he says something bad about them, they're going to end up getting a primary challenger, probably somebody they can beat, but it's gonna be some nutcase. They realize they're gonna have their social media flood. There's a member of Congress who said, you know, I had a town hall meeting shortly after he was elected, and someone asked me, are you gonna vote with Mr. Trump 100% of the time? He said, well, well, I don't think I probably will because I, I represent you. I represent this district. guy. If, if, if the president's right, I want to vote with support him. I'm going to try to help him. I'm going to try to support him. And the guy says, are you going to vote for him 100% of the time? And he said, no. And he said, the meeting turned into like Lord of the Flies. <laughs> and by the time he walked out of there, there were threats on his kids' high school Facebook pages. There were threats, your husband better stick with Mr. Trump or, you, or you're gonna find out what it's like to raise your kids by yourself. Because they're crazy people. A lot of the Trump base, it only takes 10% of the Republican Party to be, to, to, to terrify and pollute the other half, or the, the other 90%. My grandmother had a phrase that I used to, uh, that I love, not punch anymore. <laughs> and so, and so that's, I mean, the hardest crazy Trumpers Sarah knew my grandmother slightly. <laughs> um, the hardest crazy Trumpers are, yeah. are, are a terrifying political force. Lindsey Graham and Mitch McConnell and Paul Ryan, those are opportunists. And they're trying to, they're trying to con the con man and play the player. Yeah, they're transactionalists. They, they, they want to get something. Okay, now, you've been a Republican for how long? 311 years. Okay. My first yeah. race... Um, I went to work for then Congressman, later Senator Connie Mack in 1987, and I was for them, uh, and then went to work in the administration. Okay, so the, the question that, that I think a lot of us who have, you know, was out there all the time that we didn't understand, and there were a lot of people who would say, hey, Rick Wilson, Charlie Sykes, you built this. You, you had been, been stoking the fires of all of this. Was this there all the time? Was this dysfunction? Was this craziness a pre-existing condition? I would argue that every party has outliers in it, and every party wants those outliers to come out. It's like, you know, the, the, the hardest crazy Bernie bros who want to, you know, burn down at all capitalism. The Democrats still want them to come out and vote. But I will say this. The old organizational uh, typology of the Republican Party, you had the foreign policy conservatives, you had the economic conservatives, always balanced out, and no one ever got everything they wanted, okay? We never got trillion-dollar defense budgets, and we never got an evangelical holy, you know, holy empire, and we never got you know, zero tax rates. So nobody ever got everything they wanted, but it was kind of a messy but generally happy functional family. A fourth leg of the stool 
is the leg that had an entire television network that reaches 90 million households, blasting that message out every day on Fox. The talk radio empires that were built in the 90s and, and 2000s started to d diverge from, we don't want to be part of the rose very quickly. So that fourth leg became all this new media climate, this new media environment that we find ourselves in. And that allowed for people to silo themselves off have self-reinforcing and self-referentials and, and, and cognitive bias that pushed, you know, oh, I must be right because my other friends on Facebook are and I are but, but you've also seen these shifts. It matters. Sure. When evangelical Christians would argue that, that a man's personal character was, was highly relevant to uh, their, their, their fitness for public office. Absolutely. Now, now of course, uh, evangelical Christians are the one demographic group that, that thinks that personal character is the least important uh, requirement. Uh, favor Republicans and conservatives used to be in favor. It's not just that, that they've been the alternative silos. It does appear that, that and this is where, where I keep you know, going back and saying, oh, or, or for example, do you remember when, when Republicans cared about deficit spending? Oh, I have, a, I have some yeah. recollection of that, yes. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah, I mean, that was, did they ever actually mean it, or is, have we, in fact, entered this era of cult of personality, tribal politics, where it doesn't matter what you're for as long as you beat the other guy? Absolutely. And, and, and look, if you look at, I was like, all right, this is a deviation, this is a deviation. Now, it's a complete repudiation of every conservative economic principle. I mean, we're in trade wars, and the victims of the trade wars were now giving government subsidies to. And yet, when you point and that out, you get him says it, and you're a liberal now. Right. Because even that if it's I, the exact opposite that of That, I think, is the fatal said. flaw, no. especially with a lot of our... Uh, fellow members of the conservative, you know, commentariat and, and the conservative, uh, you know, world of, of, I use the term loosely, intellect, because um, God knows I'm just a smartass. Um, Donald Trump isn't an educated conservative, but his instincts are for, but they're not. They're authoritarian, they're statist, they're unconstitutional and anti-constitutional, and, 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 you know, we used to think that conservatism was about getting government out of all the, 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 the outcomes we wanted better. We thought government was the problem. Trump has an expansive view of the power of government and the executive that 10 years ago would have terrified conservatives. One of the, the problems I have with your work, um, Rick, is that you pull so many punches um, <laughs> with all the ones that I want. Um, where you point out that Trump, you talk about, uh, talk about the ethics of the, of the Trump administration, uh, Trump's far-flung empire of bullshit picks. Um, pointing out that uh, the administration has been a hotbed of remarkably obvious pay-to-play and crony capitalist game playing. How obvious? Think 1970s Times Square hooker on the corner obvious. The degree to which this spring and his far-flung empire of bullshit, and then it goes on to a quote I just had here, and then you point out that the presidency this seems so timely, given the things we were talking about lately, that the presidency has not been an endless exercise in self-fellation until now. <laughs> what do you really think? Um, Did for comic effect. I don't, think you'd, I don't think you could arrange that for Donald Trump with, uh, without a complex series of pulleys and trusses. But this is, uh, this, for a very long time, Bush is Bush Hitler the war criminal, and Barack Obama is the Kenyan Muslim sleeper agent here to destroy us from Soros land. You know, we all played those little games around the edges. But the, 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 the terrible beauty of the Donald Trump situation is that he is the ultimate figure of mockery, of belief in anything except what gives him his next erection and what, what gets him on his next TV hit is 
astounding. He, he is so ripe for comedy at all times. And these people are, the core the material, oh wait, there's CNN. Oh wait, there's MSN. So you're gonna, He's on TV you, talking again. You will miss him. You, you're you're going to miss him at some point. Late night comics will miss him. The media will miss him. Okay, let's 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 <laughs> let, let, let's 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 do our let's do let's do our lightning round. I want you to uh, give me a quick um, thirty second capsule of faux reality we live in right now. Let's start with Sarah Palin. What was what role did she play as patient zero in the the in the world that we live in right now? Bless her heart. Yeah. She is Sarah Palin is unfortunate and and could not. Uh, could, could not ever get herself out of the trauma that engaged in her first few days in it and became a caricature and became a, a plaything for Roger Ailes to put on television because Roger loved what he called boob bait. And she became, that's the bourgeoisie, not, yeah. you know, anyway. You have to clarify uh, that. Yeah. Once she became a comic figure, she embraced being a comic figure and it's just a spiral of... Uh... Lindsey Graham. As, as in, what the hell is happening with Lindsey Graham right now? Because every day he looks in the mirror and says, Secretary of State, Lindsey Graham. And on days when he thinks Pompeo is doing well, he says, Secretary of Defense, Lindsey Graham. Secretary of Defense, Lindsey Graham. He wants the big game. And he will do anything. He will humiliate himself in ways. And I'm shocked by the man because I know him. I I'm shocked every day. He dies on the toilet one morning like Elvis. <laughs> People are going to remember, Lindsey, that you were out here basically being a one-man cheer section for this guy when you know everything about him and your private views are 180 degrees from understanding of Donald Trump is, was no secret during the 2016 election. He was John McCain's closest friend. And if you want to, you know, in, in terms of life, you ask, you know, who do I want to be like? Who is my role model? Who is my anti-role model? Here is somebody who was intensely close to John McCain in the image of Donald Trump. And people wonder dead. why, and, and, and people in Washington wonder why Americans hate politicians. I mean, it, it, this should be your answer. This is a, a live example of why Americans in horrifying ways. Okay, along those same lines, since we're here in Texas, Ted Cruz. <laughs> All that stands between us and the Zodiac Killer being free is Beto O'Rourke. <laughs> <laughs> And I say this because Ted Cruz, he could sit down and Ted Cruz could kick our ass on constitutional knowledge and legal knowledge and blah, 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 blah. And I guarantee you, Charlie and I can find anybody and go have a beer with them. Ted Cruz, not that because Trump humiliated him as a man. As a man. Let me tell you something. If Donald Trump had said that on that stage, that my dad killed JFK and my wife was ugly, he would be eating through a goddamn straw for six months. If, I mean, Ted Cruz could have turned his whole political career around when, when Trump said that kind of shit and walked over to him and punched him in the chest and walked over to him and, got in a, and had an actual manhood moment instead of going, well, Trump, uh, I love Donald Trump. He's brand I mean, The guy's slept on the couch now for the last year and a half, I'm pretty sure. But... He, I, I, you've never seen anybody humiliate himself more thoroughly than, than, than Ted Cruz. And how he wakes up every morning and, and looks himself in the mirror and how, how, um, I'm going to go out once again live, but <laughs> Mike Pence. I think Mike Pence might have a volcano layer somewhere because he thinks it's just enough for Trump. 
but he also tries to maintain his whole uh, moral probity act. He's very he's under suspicion by a lot of the inside the White House Trumpers because they think he or his staff are the source of the letter or the op-ed and whatnot. They're not, from what I understand. But who do you think was? They won't let you out of here. Yeah, I know. I know. You don't know. You just have a theory. I have a theory. No, if I knew, I would already write. I've already written about it and cashed out on it. Um, <laughs> Mitch McConnell, not. Ooh. I'll leave it right there. Okay. Okay, so let's go back to, to, to Mike Pence. I mean, he, is, um, he has been uh, as stiffly loyal to Donald Trump as you could possibly get, even though they're obviously very different characters at certain points. There are times when, when he wants to be low profile, yeah. he is just that's why, not there. That's why I think the guy has a volcano layer somewhere. I mean, there are times you don't see Mike Pence at all. Not even like the usual like weddings and funerals, vice presidential role. You just don't see Mike Pence. You know, the, the, the invisibility cloak are not out there you know, swinging for the fences every day on it. He oh. said a few, a few positive things, but he's not out there you know, as a front and center on TV guy. Which, with his conservative cred, he could easily be... Okay, so... As you and I both lived through, in 2016, the general election turned into the binary choice, right? It was, no matter how horrible Donald Trump is, Republicans decided um, Hillary Clinton was, was, was worse. And as long as that binary choice is Trump versus Hillary, at some point, if your prognostications are, are correct, won't Republicans have to decide Trump versus Pence? Would that be a, a better choice? So, so tell me- You, you want some political yeah. drama? You want you want a drama? Yes. Pence came. To let me just tell you. Let me let me tell you a story. How I would how. I, <laughs> here's how I direct this play. Elections 2018 happen. What we think is going to happen happens. We're going to lose the House. We're going to tie it up in the Senate. Even worse. It's going to be even even more terrible. Fire Mueller. Fire him now. Um, and if you're Mike Pence and you really want to go run run against Donald Trump, you go out and you give a fiery speech about the rule of law. You don't mention the president by name, but you talk about institutions, and you talk about the rule of law, and you talk about the importance of, of no man is above it. Good as going up and you know, taking a leak on his shoes. Um, and so you end up with a guy who sits in the vice presidency as long as he can and keeps raising the pressure. Make Trump fire you. You know, walk away point knowing that there is no Trumpism without Trump. There is no, there is no positive uplift in behaving like a giant ass to everybody, um, you know, if you're not a reality TV star who can get away with it. And so, you know, that, that's a scenario. Um, but I don't think assume hearing's dead. Um, Y'all don't get that joke, do you? He, a few years ago, he tweeted, he hit a deer. And he tweets a couple hours later, assume deer dead. <laughs> it's one of the greatest tweets of all time, frankly. Um, so... You know, it, uh, today, was not a good, uh, today was not a great day for, 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 the, for the chairman. No. Um, in fact, uh, that was the, the universal reaction as he started to basically try to pre-butt uh, Dr. Ford. And, and you know, for, for people wondering, you know, would, would Republicans be able to keep themselves from, uh, you know, creating these absolutely awful optics? The answer would be no. Okay, sort of flipping over from the... From the um, from the, the, a class, at least in my mind, that I'm guy who got caught in the the uh, a deficit of courage, but he but he got religion late. 
And he, he was one of the few people who's been willing to stand on the Senate floor and say the things that or this president has done that aren't just are, um, but anti-American. And he, he's made a, he, I mean, his speech on the, on the floor about the, the, about the press and about the president's destruction of norms in this country, we'll, we'll look back later and say that was a mile at the House. And so he came up in this go-along-to-get-along environment in the old ways, and so he was afraid to bust it out, blow up his relationships, you know, burn down friendships to do it. But, you know, as, as, as we've learned, Trumpism is a challenge to everyone's courage, and courage is a choice every day. And I say this in the book, I could have spun up some bullshit super PAC, the American Patriot Eagle Patriot Anti-Muslim Palin Forum Patriots for Trump PAC, or whatever. <laughs> I think I got a solicitation from them. You may have. Yeah, I, I, and I could have I sent them out, on their mailing. And I could have had a beach house, okay? But I made a different choice. And, and as I said, you know, courage is a choice. People are not born brave. They get up and they get in the fight. And Jeff Flake got brave late. Um, and he did basically give up his political career. And it, right, and he made a sacrifice that almost no one will make and gave up his, gave up his seat. It was one of those I interesting I don't think we've seen the last Well, that's it, right. I wanted to get to that because when he wrote that book, uh, Conscience of a Conservative, which was obviously, you know, the, the 1960s, um, I wondered whether or not that he thought that other Republicans would stand up and join him. And in fact, if they did, it was whispered, hey, you know, you go, you say those things. But he was really, you know, left by himself. He gave one speech where he Welch uh, talked about that moment during the Army. Have you, at long have, last, have you at, no shame. At long last, have you no shame. And essentially, he was calling out Donald Trump, at long last, have you no shame. And of course, after the Army McCarthy hearing, everybody rose up against McCarthy, and there was a shift. And when Jeff Flake gave Fuller's speech, what you got was a political future in Republican or conservative politics, what would the consequence for him be if he was the person to pull the plug on the Kavanaugh nomination? Because I don't think that Republicans would ever forgive him given the current mood of the party. I, I suspect if Kavanaugh goes down, and if he goes down, and if Collins, Murkowski, and Flake are there, I think you're gonna end up with two or three more on top of that. So the deciding vote thing will be what it will be. Um, and if there's a vote. If there's a vote. He um, also point to the fact that he voted for Gorsuch. That, um, and I think that the passions of this moment will be remembered, but we may also remember that Donald Trump's, the overhang of Donald Trump in this whole equation has probably cost Kavanaugh more than, than yeah. people have estimated. Yet. Well, that's you wrote the book. You know, everything Trump touches dies. Um, will there be a plausible Republican primary challenge to Donald Trump in 2020? Ask me in November. Right. That's the real answer. There are a lot of people, a lot of members of the House and Senate, where I talk to these guys, they'll call me up at night and go, I hate him. <laughs> Good God, I fucking hate this fucking guy. And what do I do? Well, you stand up and you punch him in the nose metaphorically. No, I can't. I'm terrified. You know, they're not bold. They want you to think they're bold. Television commercials are not who the real person is. Shh. Um, and so, you know, if, if 18 is the disaster we think it's going to be, there will be people who come out in 92. When Buchanan came out, all us Bush guys were like, yeah, whatever, Buchanan. <laughs> well, he bled the president enough to make us vulnerable to Ross Perot. And th that could be the scenario that happens. You, end, you could end up with somebody who makes a case loudly and, and intensely enough.
if you've got a Supreme Court justice or two, great. That's a great calling card. But if the economy flips as we are increasingly worried it's going to flip, and you don't have a wall and all these other magical thinking things that Trump all... We talked about political courage a little while ago, and there may not be an answer to this question. Who right now is the most courageous Republican elected official? Are there any? There are a handful of people who have overtly run up against congressman in Florida. Runs in a D plus five, seven seat every time. And he's been against the president. And not just for political posturing, but because he really believes the president's on immigration and Puerto Rico and other things are wrong against the president right now. Um, and who, who, ex who display the political courage that, that, would, that would sharply brand them away. There are a lot of people who are, who are brave in private and that's not being brave. John Kasich? John is pretty brave, um, and John is working pretty hard to, to be the 2020 guy. We'll see how it plays out. Um, and and he's, he certainly stood up to the president on a number of issues, and, and it certainly contrasted the way he's governed in Ohio. Uh, D plus 35 in the House. It's not gonna be 1994, mm -hmm. um, but it's gonna be painful. Uh, I think the Senate's Really tough to call, especially because Florida is, you know, not just statistically a dead heat, but 800 inside the polling numerically within with one more vote going to Rick Scott than to Bill Nelson. So I think the Senate is going to be D plus one on a good day, uh, D plus two on a great day. We're probably gonna we're probably gonna, you know, still a bit of an upshot for 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 Josh, but. I think Claire McCaskill has something in politics that other people lack, and that's luck. She gets good breaks, and I think she may pull it out. Um, here in Texas, I, I, it's still a very high hill for Beto to climb if he can shut his damn to shut the fuck up about guns. <laughs> it's just science. It's Texas, for God's sake. <laughs> I don't care how you feel about it. If you want to win, you got to make some choices. Anyway, but we're, we're going to be up late watching uh, for the Senate. Um, I know the NRCC has triaged out. And they've only got so many places they can spend, uh, you know, five, six million dollars at a time uh, and hope to change the ball game. And will Brett Kavanaugh be on the Supreme Court? Yes. You do think so? I think Mitch McConnell is going to say, fuck y'all. Republican senator. And, and look, he controls money and purse strings and power. And, and all this kabuki dance today is gonna hurt Republicans. He may be on the Supreme Court list at a great cost to the Republican Party. But mm -hmm. ultimately for Republican uh, voters, the court seems to be more important, but I'm gonna bet you a, a bourbon on all of this. And, and I, right. I would not have done this yesterday before the testimony we heard this morning, but, but I, uh, I, I, just, uh, I, I just, I don't like think I said, there's one man that counts and that's Donald Trump. Yep. And if he says, I don't like the way the guy performed or looked on TV today and pulls the plug, it's over. Um, but if it's still in Mitch McConnell's court, Mitch McConnell, do never, never, I tell people this over and over, never need different knife holes before the guy is done with you. Let me give you a different scenario that would be so appropriate for the moment that rather than the guy who pulls the plug, it might be two women who pull the plug on this um, in the United States Senate, uh, Senator Murkowski and Collins. Uh, it's, uh, like I said, I think Murkowski wild card here and... And if you if, if, if you broke, if she jumps, Flake jumps. If if you broke if you break Collins, you probably get Flake, 
If you get Flake, even Murkowski might get fearful, but I don't think Murkowski will lead the, lead the train. I think you're right. Rick Wilson, thanks for joining me. Hey, Sykes, thank you for listening to the Daily Standard Podcast. We'll be back tomorrow, and we will do this all over again.